Hi, I'm Miranda Wright with HOWC Ministries. To learn more about our ministries, please visit us online at heartofworshipchurch.com. The first time an upper room is ever mentioned in scripture, it was in reference to the temple. There was an upper room. You see, in that time, the only people who could really afford to build these large, spacious upper rooms were people of resources. Therefore, were they usually only found in temples and palaces? It was a dwelling place of kings and priests. But as time went on, they became more and more common amongst everyday homes. Yet still were they reserved for special guests. Most of the time, they encompassed the entire space of the house only in a second floor. Therefore, they were usually large, spacious, open rooms where one could get away from the noise and the hustle and bustle of the street below. They were not used for everyday living, but they were usually reserved for special occasions, feasts, gatherings, wedding celebrations, or as a lodging for esteemed guests, as a sign of reverence and appreciation that they might have the best you had to offer. So in this, we can see why many times throughout scripture, every time there was a mighty move of God, it was focused around an upper room. Because the upper room in our life should be that place for kings and priests, that place where we gather to commune and have fellowship with, that place that we set aside and reserve the best for the greatest guests that we could ever hope to welcome in because my friend I don't want my Jesus to ever have to hear again that there is no room for him in the end so the question is do you have an upper room the Shunammite woman had decided to make room to literally build an upper room for the man of God which Elijah in this story is an archetype for the Holy Spirit and this woman recognizing the importance of this presence in her home, she builds an upper room for him that when he desires, he may stay and lodge with her there. Therefore, are there certain items that she places within that room that would ensure his comfort? These items represent different things, but in short, they represent worship. They represent communion, love, compassion, that place of resting and abiding. And of course, we understand now that this upper room has come to represent prayer, that place of communion. The upper room is the place of personal visitation by the very Holy Spirit of the living God. It's that place that Jesus comes and sups with us. In fact, when Jesus died at the time of his resurrection, the first place that he came when he was reunited with his disciples was an upper room. They came and they supped together. They ate together. They visited together. They had a visitation. Personal visitation takes place in the upper room. Every time that Elijah would pass through near to the home of the Shunammite woman, he would come in and there would be visitation in the upper room. And while we may understand the purpose of the upper room, that it is truly a place of prayer and personal visitation, I'm not sure that we really comprehend the power of the upper room, the power of that presence, what that visitation truly brings. 
Because you see, we know the story of the Shunammite woman. She would have this visitation with Elijah. He would come and he would stay in the upper room above the home of the Shunammite woman and her husband. And because of her faithfulness, because of her welcoming, and because that she had built this place for the man of God, for the presence of God to reside in her home, because she made herself to be a friend of the very presence of God, he gave her an impossible promise. The woman was barren. They had no children. And so the Lord had given her this child of promise. And as many of us know the story, when the child grew and was a little older, he was working with his father in the field and fell ill and the child died. And so this woman who knew the presence of God and was fully persuaded that what God promised he was able to deliver, even if he had to raise this child from the dead to do it, because if God gave her this promise, then surely he would make it good. And because that she had taken the time and the effort and the love and the reverence to build this place in her home, this upper room, she had a friendship, she had a connection. Therefore, she had faith. To the point that she was able to say, even as she held this dead promise in her arms, it is well. Because this is the part that I want to point out to you today. The child was laid in the upper room. The dead promise was brought to the upper room. We understand the purpose. The place of prayer and visitation. A place of habitation. Where the very spirit of the living God comes and communes with us daily. That true personal prayer. Not just a place where we lay our petitions. But a place where we come to visit. To hear from the king. To abide with him daily. The dead promise was laid in this place. In the upper room. And because she had built this place. And welcome the very presence of the living God into it. To the point where she could call him friend. When her dead promise was laid in it. Elijah representing the Holy Spirit entered in. And began to stir. The word says that he paced the room. He stirred. The spirit stirred. And then he laid upon the child. Because you see my friend when the presence of God comes in there is first a covering. And that covering, it brings hope for the promise, but we see that it's still dead. It didn't raise him to life again. There's hope for the promise. There's something happening. There's something here, but it's not quite there yet. What is it that we're missing? Then Elijah breathed life into that dead promise again. You see, representing the Holy Spirit, first there was a covering, but then there was an indwelling, the breath came in to the child again and that child was raised to newness of life that dead promise was brought back to life when the spirit of the living God breathed life into it in the upper room so my friend I want to tell you today that you need to build an upper room in your life you need to get in it and you need to welcome the presence of the Holy Spirit you need to do it through worship through adoration through praise and through prayer through sitting with him and abiding there through speaking but also more so by listening because what he has to say is more important than what we have to say anyway it needs to be a place of visitation so that when her promise was laid in that place where he called her friend she had all faith that he would breathe life into it again 
The purpose of the upper room is a place of prayer, a place of visitation. But the power of the upper room is resurrection. It is the power to bring dead promises back to life. Because my friend, I remind you again that anytime God gives you a truly magnificent promise, there's going to come a point at which that promise is going to die. Because only our God has resurrection power. And until we see something become impossibly dead, can we not truly have faith that God has done this thing, except that when he brings it back to life in impossible ways. So don't give up, my friend, when God speaks something into your life and then it doesn't work out the way that you expect it. You get in that upper room and you wait for his presence and you let him first come in and begin to cover you again. But once the covering comes, once you begin to feel the presence, don't let it in there because you need an indwelling. You need to breathe that presence in. You need to be filled with the spirit of God and let that promise come alive. Again, he's going to speak things to you by the power of his spirit. He's going to confirm it to you in the place of prayer and worship. And as you pray out loud and let the word of the Lord come out, that revelation is going to manifest. That's going to bring that resurrection power because you're going to start to hear things and you're going to start to say things and you're going to start to have things confirmed to your spirit that are going to be undeniable. And when you know that you have heard from the Lord, you can walk in faith because faith comes by hearing and hearing by the word of God that you can be fully persuaded that what God has promised, he is able to deliver even if he's got to raise it from the dead to do it. It all happens in the upper room. That place that you have built in your life, that time that you have set aside to not just call out petitions, but to have a holy visitation with God. Because my friend, I assure you that any miracle that you see, any anointing, any mighty move of God that is truly from God was birthed in an upper room. And though you may not hear about these seasons, but there are times when it also died and had to be resurrected back to life in that upper room. Because God's got to take us through some things to strip some dependencies away from us so that we won't have faith in anything that we think we can do or how we brought it about, but that we can have faith in the who that resurrected it. Even though this man had resided with her and her family so many times, she had a personal knowledge of who he was and all of the things that God had done through him. She had heard all of the stories. He had even given her this promise and this thing had been brought about. But yet was there always room for a little bit of doubt because she didn't witness the stories herself. And maybe, just maybe, this child was born of natural means. But it wasn't until this situation when the promise died and had to be resurrected again by the power of the living God breathed in to this dead promise. Did she finally say by this do I know that thou art a man of God? Because my friend, the only thing that can undoubtedly, undeniably, uncontendably prove that something was truly God is when it dies and he brings it back to life because only our God is a God of resurrection power. 
We see this play out over and over in scripture. Therefore, do we know that God wants us to pay attention? We see it again in the last supper, in the resurrection, the very last place that Jesus gathered with his disciples at the last supper before his crucifixion, the very night before was an upper room. It was a place of communion. It was a place of instruction. It was a place of direction. It was a place of commitment. It was the place that the promise was given as they all drank of the cup and ate of the bread. Yet the very next day did the promise die and it became absolutely impossible. Yet when Jesus Christ was resurrected, the very first place that he came and met with his disciples again was in an upper room, a place of communion, that place of visitation. When we see that promise resurrected, it builds faith, true faith that we can be fully persuaded that we can then walk out in the power of our Christ and be prepared for the next promise, which will be greater than the last. Every time he takes us through this cycle and this season, my friend, there is a reason he is building your faith for greater things to come. Because we see it yet again that once Jesus ascended and went into the heavens and he wasn't with the disciples anymore and all of his followers were there and they had been told by the Lord, don't leave Jerusalem until you have been filled with power. I'm coming back again because remember Jesus had given them a promise that though he would have to leave, he would not leave them comfortable but that he would send the comforter, the spirit of truth, his very spirit that once he had ascended and gone to the father, that they would be able to do greater things than what they had done before, than what Christ had even done when he walked this earth. What a great promise. Yet now he is gone and the promise seems dead again. They are sitting there powerless. Yet did 120 of them gather together, where? In an upper room, to do what? To pray. And they prayed seven days, in one mind and one accord, crying out for a visitation from the Lord. They prepared a place for him. They set aside time for him, and they welcomed him in. Because you see, my friend, the promise had been laid upon them. There was a covering. But it wasn't until in that place, in that upper room on that day, that the Holy Spirit came in like a mighty rushing wind and filled them up from within. And it was as cloven tongues of fire resting upon each head that they might know that these were the new temples of the Holy Spirit and that the very breath of God had infilled them and indwelled them again, that the promise came back to life. Now we see it. This is how he's going to do it. We sat and we prayed and we made a place of visitation and habitation for him that he was welcomed in. And in that place, he came and breathed life into the promise again. And now we have power and we will see it accomplished. 
God, we need an upper room. We need a visitation. We need a place where you are welcomed to come and speak and breathe life into us again. The dead promises that you have given, but that have been laid waste while we try to figure out how, because you wanted the how to die so that when you came in, we would glorify the who, that it was done only by you, that it wasn't by our own strength or by our might, but it was by the spirit of the living God. God, I'm making place in my life. I'm making time for you. I'm going to set aside. I'm going to find that secret place of prayer and I'm going to worship you and welcome you there until you come and we have a visit visitation until you come so regular that it becomes a habitation that I can know that I am a friend of God that anytime something doesn't go right I can run to you and say come in oh Holy Spirit of the living God I need you to breathe life into this promise again so that I can be fully persuaded because God I know that you're gonna do what you promised to even if you've got to raise it from the dead to do it that only happens in the upper room. You see, Jesus is willing to teach us. He will sit with us. But when he's ready to use us, to send us out, he must indwell us for the real promise that he can do great things through us. We see it even in Mary, that the Holy Spirit came upon her and then was the child Jesus in her so that the work and will of God could be birthed through her. You see, my friend, I've told you before, and I will tell you again, that true Pentecost will only come after Passover. Passover is the place where the promise dies. And Pentecost is the place where we see God breathe on it and bring it back to life, where he pours out his spirit, where it fills us and empowers us to go out and bring the will of God about in this world. And both places started in an upper room. Yes, my friend, the word of God says to forsake not the assembly. And we need to come together to worship together, to pray together, to encourage one another, to confirm to one another But what we do in the corporate should be an overflow of what has truly been done in the place of prayer. What you hear from him in the upper room, you can then share with others in the corporate room that they may be confirmed. The worship that you bring in the church house should be overflow of what has already poured out in the upper room. The prayers that you pray in the presence of people should be the mature fruit of what was planted and cultivated in the private prayer in your upper room, that place of visitation, which leads to habitation, a covering, then an infilling, then an outsending. You see, when we stand in the church and we sing and we preach and we prophesy and we teach, that is us standing before men for God, But when we are in the upper room, in that place of visitation and intercession, we stand before God for men. And we let him breathe life on the promises that he has given us for them again. And he will speak to you. He will direct you. He will correct you. And not lastly, he will empower you. Because it is not by might. It is by his spirit. 
And if we have not taken time to welcome and be filled with his spirit, then what we are doing is nothing but flesh. And it will all burn up in the end. Build your upper room and get in it until he breathes life into you again. And all of the promises that he has given, it's not too late if you don't forsake the place of visitation. God, we thank you that you make a way. God, we repent of all of the time that we've wasted being Martha's running around trying to do things in our own power. God, we pray that you make us Marys that are willing to commit to sit and worship you and visit with you and learn from you to spend that time at your feet. Because Jesus, when Martha rebuked her for not doing the work and the labor, you told Martha that Mary was doing what was needful because she was sitting at your feet because God you can do anything in fact it's not going to be done by your hand until it can no longer be done by man so the more we try to make it possible the farther we get away from it because until the promise dies we got to go through that Passover and we've got to press in in that place and we've got to bring that impossible thing to you in the upper room and wait for you to breathe life on it again God I pray that everyone under the sound of my my voice will commit today to build an upper room and if they've already got one then Lord I pray that they can understand what the spirit of the Lord is saying that they need to bring those dead promises to that place and call upon the name of the Lord and watch you bring it to life by the power of your grace you know I think one of the most important aspects of the upper room that we can learn from the Shunammite woman is that she waited for Elijah there and any time he passed through, she made a place for him. My friend, are you expecting God to wait on you? She was willing to wait upon the Lord. And at the moment that he was ready, that he was moving, that he was passing through, she had a place prepared for him. And she welcomed him in. And I think that that is probably our greatest sin, is that we make God wait and we expect him to come. When we're ready, but we don't have an upper room prepared for him. When he's moving, when he's calling, when he's ready to come in and visit with us. We push him aside in our pride to play on social media, to watch a movie, to labor in vain with the works of our hands, to do the dishes, to cut the grass, to program our ministry. And so the Holy Spirit moves on. And goes to the next place that has an upper room ready and waiting to receive him in. My friend, I tell you that many people have lost their covering and their indwelling. Because that when Jesus showed up, there was no room for him in the end. Do you know why Israel missed its time of visitation? My friend, you see, if you go back to the passage where Joseph and Mary were looking for a place for God to birth the promise into the earth, they went to the inn. And if you look in the original Greek, that word for inn is also the word for a upper room. You see, my friend, Israel missed its king, its time of visitation because that there was no room for him. In the end, they didn't make room. They didn't make time. They didn't seek. They didn't pray. When he came, they didn't give place 
for him to stay. There was no room for him. My friend, how many times does God knock at the door, ready to birth a promise in your life, a visitation from the Lord God Almighty? And we tell him, not today. We're too full. We're too busy. There's no room for you in the end. My upper room is already filled. And so he moves on because we wouldn't give him our best. He'll go and rest among the least of these. You see, my friend, I've said it before that God was so humble that he was willing to be born in a barn. But the reality is, is that that's not the first place that they stopped. When he knocks on the door, do we tell him there's no room for you here? I tell you that I truly believe that many a time when God rests on the least of these, and then those of high degree become envious and say, why wasn't it me? They don't even see. The only reason that God went was because he knocked on the door, and they said there's no room for you in the end. My upper room is full. I have other guests. It's a very busy time of year. I've got family here. I'm doing my job. I'm working. I'm sorry. My friend, the King of Glory is ready to walk in, and we have got to make room for him again, or we are going to miss our time of visitation, and he will walk right past all of our fancy dressed-up places and into a barn to bless the least of these. He's done it before, and he'll do it again. Make time, make space, make a place for your king, because he is coming. God, you are welcome here. In my upper room, I am ready. Whenever you are willing for visitation, and a fresh infilling. Breathe life into me and my dead promises again. Because you see, the reason the Shunammite woman could have so much faith to believe that Elijah would come when she needed at the moment she called, he was there because that she had been there every time he came calling. My friend, it's a two-way relationship. The Holy Spirit can be grieved. And yes, God is faithful to answer when we call in need. But I have come to truly believe because of the things I've experienced and seen. That when you make time for God, he will make time for you. He will come through. And I've seen it over and over again. Because it's in that upper room that I come to know him as friend and a friend sticks closer than a brother it will turn visitation into habitation where you saw sometime miracles you will see all the time miracles where sometimes it seemed like your prayers were getting through all the time your prayers will get through where it seems sometimes you could hear from heaven all the time you will hear from heaven when you make time and space for God he will come and feel it. Yes, we all have a covering from the moment of salvation. And there are things that the Spirit will speak to us and direct us and teach us. He will sit with us and lead us and guide us. 
But when you make that place for him, the visitation will change into habitation. He will come and indwell us. And when he does, he will empower us to go out and be a witness in all the world of how he brought the deadness to life. Because our God is a God of resurrection power. But truly having faith in that power comes in that place of prayer. When we meet him there and he tells us his desire and we see all of hell come against it until it becomes an impossibility. Yet when we run back to him there in that place of prayer and visitation and worship him and call upon his name in all faith, knowing that he came before and he will come again because that we made a place for him, a space for him. And we were willing to let him in when he came calling. We know that he is coming running when we come calling to breathe life into that promise again. And in that is our faith stirred by the revelation that our God is a God of resurrection. Therefore, can anything be too hard for him? So when he sends us out, he sends us out without doubt. God, I believe that what you have promised, you are able to achieve, even if you've got to raise it from the dead to do it. I am not afraid of Mount Calvary because I know that by going through it, I'm moving on to Pentecost, to the outpouring, to power, to resurrection. So in the waiting, I will worship you in this place of visitation because that I have prepared for you an upper room in faith for what you are about to do. Because I might be setting a Passover table, but my heart is already sitting at the marriage supper of the Lamb, because I am fully persuaded that what you have promised, you are able to accomplish, even if you've got to raise us from the dead to do it. And I can say that with all assurance, because of all the times that I've sat with you in our upper room and watched you breathe life into impossibly dead promises. Because when the promise is given, There is a covering. And when the promise dies, we have a choice to grow bitter in pride or to humble and abide and run back to that place as the Shunammite woman did and lay that dead promise down in that upper room and cry out to you. And every time that I have, you have been true to who you are and you have come and breathed life back into that promise again so that I can have faith beyond faith And all assurance that if you did it before, you will do it again. My friend, do you have room for him in the inn? Because the inn was an upper room also. This message was brought to you by HOWC Ministries. To learn more about our ministries, please visit us online at heartofworshipchurch.com.